Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember, subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. This week's Fiber for Breakfast brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Wesco. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Five for Breakfast. We're now in our 27th episode of 2023. That means that we are officially starting the second half of the year, which this year has gone by incredibly quickly. Before we kick off, I'd like to thank Westco, the platinum sponsor of Five for Breakfast, and our gold sponsor, Graybar. Hope everybody had a wonderful July 4th holiday. And after a huge week in D.C. last week, with the president's announcement on the NTIA allocation of the $42.45 billion in BEAD funding to each state and territory, this week has been a bit quiet with the holiday and Congress in recess. Uh, that said, on June 28th, NTIA released the final guidance for the BEAD program state challenge process. And on Monday, July 3rd, you know, the FCC always works through the holidays, FCC issued a notice informing ISPs that they're required to submit their January to June 30th, 2023 data for the broadband data collection by September 1st. So this data will be used to create the next iteration of the national broadband maps that will be released later this year. Coming up quickly is Fiber Connect 2023 in Orlando on August 20 to 23. This will be the biggest and best broadband event in the world this year with over 4,000 attendees and amazing program. You know, this event sells out every year and I anticipate it's gonna sell out even faster this year. So don't wait to register and definitely get your hotel booked at the Gaylord ASAP. Our next and final regional Fiber Connect workshop will be in Minneapolis on October 24th. So registration is now open. That brings us to our today's Fire for Breakfast session with Dr. Nick Maynard, the co-founder and CEO of US Ignite, who's going to discuss once an underserved community gets fiber, a fiber network, what can they do with it? Last week on Fire for Breakfast, we heard from Seamus Daldold of NACO, who discussed how counties are mobilizing for high-speed internet connectivity. You know, we're in an exciting time where every American is going to be connected with fiber by 2030. So today on Fiber Breakfast, we have the pleasure of hearing from Dr. Nick Maynard, the co-founder and CEO of US Ignite, who's going to discuss once an underserved community gets a fiber network, what can they do with it? Uh, so Nick Maynard is the co-founder and CEO of US Ignite, driving the smart community movement and public-private partnerships for community development. As CFO, he established U.S. Ignite's Smart Community and Smart Basis Program. Previously, as program director at the National Science Foundation, he launched a nationwide advanced wireless research initiative. And as assistant director at the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, uh, Nick managed a federal IT R&D portfolio, initiating over a billion dollars in programs, including the president's Connect Home initiative, and with a telecom industry background, he has advised global carriers and vendors on cutting edge networks. Uh, Maynard holds a BA and MA from the University of Chicago. Chris likes that. 
and a public policy PhD from that other school at the other end of 15501. I won't mention its name, but uh, welcome, Nick. Um, and Thank we're glad you. to have you here. So please hold your questions as we go, and we'll work them into Q&A at the end. So let's get started. Yeah, this is great. Well, thank you so much for the time this morning, Gary. Really appreciate everyone else's time this morning. Uh, we, we thought we would just spend some time giving folks some background on US Ignite, the important work that we're doing every day, uh, the history that we, uh, important uh, programs and initiatives that we pulled together over the last 10 years, and the um, exciting work that we have upcoming this year and, and beyond, supporting not only uh, the BEAT program at NTA, like you mentioned, but also new programs at National Science Foundation, Defense Department, uh, Department of Homeland Security, and Energy, and others. So, Gary, as you mentioned, uh, so uh, 25 years in industry uh, and uh, the White House, uh, spent a lot of time 12 years ago now um, working on BTOP and BIP, trying, fighting, uh, there was a team of us trying to in, uh, include $7 billion, which sounded like a lot. Of, a lot of the time, the Recovery Act back in uh, 2009. So there was a group of us pushing, driving, saying, look, we need to provide some funding uh, for these underserved communities around the country, uh, really identifying some of the uh, important ways that uh, those funds can uh, support those communities. Also work with the uh, uh, Defense Department, uh, State of New York, uh, wide range of industry partners on a, a next-gen photonics boundary in uh, upstate uh, which was launched uh, 10 years ago, and, or excuse me, five years ago, and just got uh, ex extension in, in its funding. And then, as you mentioned, we worked on the uh, Connect Home program, uh, which really helps identify and address some of the, the homework grab challenges for uh, families, uh, kids in, in public housing across the country. So they, when we launched that program, there were probably uh, 10 or, or 20 communities participating. And today there's over a hundred of them providing uh, training, support, uh, access, uh, you know, broadband service to those families within the, those public housing, um, with, within the PHA uh, um, communities. So US Ignite is a nonprofit. Um, like I said, we were launched out of the White House uh, over 10 years ago now. Um, our mission is really to help support underserved communities uh, helping them with their uh, not just broadband challenges, but also economic development or uh, startup and research commercialization challenges. You know, how do you get a, a good idea out of a, a laboratory or somebody's garage into a, into the real world? And it really accelerate the development and deployment of these technologies, right on whether it's right on top of fiber or next gen wireless or combination of, of both of those those technologies. So when we Launched 10 years ago, we had about 15 uh, communities uh, where we're providing that technical assistance, working with them every day, um, providing them a wide range of, of support. That has grown to about 50 communities around the country and uh, Adelaide, Australia, Puerto Rico, uh, as well as Canada. And then we've got about seven uh, smart city and, and uh, networking test beds that we manage for National Science Foundation and, and the Department of Defense. So this is a this is a National Science Foundation uh, advanced wireless excuse me, platform for advanced wireless research program. So this is a hundred million dollar initiative. Uh, again, getting good ideas out of a, the 
uh, lab into a real world environment. So we've got urban environments, rural environments, we've got um, different uh, 5G technologies that we're evaluating like millimeter wave or drone technologies or uh, rural broadband and uh, precision agriculture out in Ames, Iowa. Each one focuses on a different technology area, uh, use case area, 4, 5G and, and beyond. And so a more recent effort to power was launched about uh, four years ago. Uh, two years ago, we had Project Overcome, similar effort, but again, the small, smaller amounts of money, but it's, it's $300,000 going to each community. They identified uh, fiber and wireless uh, use cases, new business models. Uh, they tested and evaluated them. Some of them like Cleveland were able to um, bring on uh, $20 million in follow-on funding. This was a, a great way of identifying not just the, the technologies, but also um, new ways of deploying these technologies, making them sustainable over the long term. So we put together a lot of great, well, a community of practice across these uh, seven uh, cities, but then also putting together uh, best practice playbooks and other materials for these communities, other communities around the country, to help them as they're putting together their plans for BEAD funding, other funding that's coming from uh, state and local governments as well. So in addition to the uh, broadband support, we've also got a wide range of startup and small business support. So a lot of these uh, startups are, and small businesses are working on you know, leveraging these broadband or, or wireless or, or IoT networks within their communities. Uh, we're providing them with uh, research test beds, providing mentoring, helping them apply for federal funding, um, uh, or apply to uh, startup accelerators. And US Ignite just received uh, 2 million from Department of Commerce. Uh, this is Economic Development Administration providing us with support for uh, training startups and small businesses here in, in the DC area where we're, where, where we're located. Great, so one of the things that, that we've done with another uh, state of New York effort is putting together a, a broadband map this combines a, a, a wide range of industry, federal data, demographic data. What we're looking to do is identify those areas that need the most support, but then also which areas are gonna have the most economic impact. So as this broadband gets deployed within the state of New York, which ones as that uh, fiber is deployed or other networks are deployed, what kind of economic impact can they expect within those communities? And so, this is a funding that we've received from Knight Foundation. And we're looking to expand this into a, a national tool right now. We've been doing a, a wide range of calls and uh, Zoom calls and other meetings with um, broadband offices, getting their feedback and suggestions on how do we make this really valuable and useful for, for the state broadband office, but then the, also the, the, the counties and, and local and, and other stakeholders that are, are coming together for those, uh, those state level strategies. So as I mentioned, we've got um, three DOD projects. Um, so the Defense Department supports work that we're doing around next-gen networking, whether that's it's a combination of fiber and uh, 5G and uh, deployment, uh, IoT network deployment. We've got we've done uh, autonomous vehicle and uh, drone and other deployments within uh, Fort Carson out in Colorado, uh, Marine Corps Air Station Miramar out in uh, at San Diego. So this is home of the first uh, Top Gun movie. And then we've got uh, Fort Moore down in, in Georgia. Uh, this slide shows a, a little bit about the, the dashboard that we set up there. 
So this one is uh, you know, similar approach, similar thinking to what we did with State of New York, but using more real-time data, more sensor data from uh, Colorado Springs, which is right next door to Fort Carson, as well as sensors that we've deployed on the base. So combining weather data, traffic data, other real-time data to uh, put together a dashboard, uh, providing the the, uh, the installation, the neighboring community with um, you know, a decision tool for do, do they close the, the installation down when there's a uh, snowstorm or hailstorm or other inclement weather. So right now they're literally just calling each other by phone at four in the morning saying, you know, look out the window. Is it is it snowing where you are? And of course, you know, service members, their families as they come into the base, there's, there's tens of thousands of them every morning as they're coming into that installation that uh, they're coming in from from all over the, the region so what we're trying to do is provide them with a, a more reliable approach a more um, flexible approach to give them better information as of making that decision uh, early in the morning so like i mentioned we've got a, a wide range of, of other programs uh, just wanted to sort of hit the highlights this morning uh, please reach out to us if your community uh, is interested in talking with us about broadband networks uh, for city pilots, uh, supporting the local small businesses, or real-time data dashboard. Uh, Gary, turn it back over to you. All right, so thanks, Nick. So first of all, let's start with smart city. Like sure. when, I, when I go and look at a smart city, you know, I see some smart trash cans, some smart light poles, I'm underwhelmed. Um, <laughs> what, sure. So what am I missing? What, what define, is what are the innovations in a smart city? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, you know, every community is a little bit different in how they're deploying it. Each community that we work with, you know, they aren't doing, you know, they, they might be doing uh, smart trash can, but a lot of them might also be doing public safety or energy usage, right? How do we drive energy, energy consumption down in our um, municipal buildings? Uh, there's also a lot of smart transportation, like if they have traffic or inclement weather challenges, like we were talking about at the Fort Carson example. So I think there's a there's a within the U.S. there's a a range of communities, you know, call it the five or, or ten largest, where they've got a lot of sensors deployed. They've got a, a tremendous amount of smart city projects underway. And it's just taken time, I would say over the last couple of three or two or three years, where smaller communities, rural communities, even uh, regions uh, or mid-sized communities that might be, you know, 200,000, 300,000 uh, are starting to take some of these technologies and apply them to their, um, you know, their own challenges. And so, you know, what US Ignite does is we, we are trying to pitch the community, and we're nonprofit, we're not trying to sell them a particular solution. We're trying to say to them, well, what, what is your top priority that you're trying to deal with right now? Let's, I mean, I appreciate that you've got a long list. You know, there might be five or ten things that you're trying to wrestle with, but let's pick one or two. Let's find some universe, or excuse me, some uh, cities that have done this in the past. Let's adapt that to your own context, and then let's begin to put together that strategy and, and deploy it, evaluate it. So, we spend a lot of time pulling together best practices, connecting cities with other cities that have gone through that in the past. And so I think we're seeing a lot more of those mid-sized communities today beginning to um, adapt and, and use these smart city technologies. I think too that you know they've spent 
you know, millions of dollars on fiber or other networks. And the smart city use cases are a great way of demonstrating to the mayor or the city council or you know other stakeholders, you know, residents, small businesses. This is how that fiber network or that wireless network or the combination of the two can really support the needs of the community and some uh, understandable uh, use, use cases. So one of the questions that came in from our audience is, with the requirements around federal funding being, you have to be an existing ISP for at least three years, how do you recommend these communities overcome that obstacle? Yeah, that's a great question. I think you know, every program is a little bit different. You know, some of them um, you know, have high match requirements, others have less, fewer match requirements. Some of them have required you know, the, the city or, or county or um, you know, some other municipality uh, to be the, the prime. Others provide a lot more flexibility. You know, I think what we've seen, so like for Department of Transportation, they've got a smart uh, transportation program. Uh, it's SMRT, it's, it's actually an acronym, like it will come, the acronym will come to me, um, probably mostly hanging out, but you know, it's, it's a program that we spent a lot of time outreach with the Department of Transportation and the Hill and the White House and others saying, look, you've got an infrastructure package, can we carve out a few dollars of this trillion dollar initiative to, to say, okay, well, we're gonna help these underserved communities test and evaluate some of these uh, smart city technologies within their community. So there's a lot of flexibility on who can apply. There's only, you only need to, to put in seven, seven pages of, for the application and there's a hundred million dollars available every year. So if you don't get it this year, you can always revise, resubmit that a second year. Um, I think that there's more flexibility in terms of they were asking about you know, ISP requirements. To, there's more flexibility as well for the um, EDA. At, they've got you know, billions of dollars um, flowing through that that agency as well. You can spend money around uh, broadband deployment. There's a lot more flexibility on um, who can be the within the partnership for that for those programs. There's also a National Science Foundation. You know, a lot of people don't think about them because they're, they tend to focus on the, traditionally they've provided funding to university professors, right? Providing them uh, with those research dollars. They've got a new directorate now called uh, Technology Innovation and Partnerships, TIP for short. And they've got programs like uh, convergence accelerator or other these regional innovation programs excuse me regional innovation engines program uh, which also has a lot of flexibility on who can be the prime how the money gets used sort of doing combinations of infrastructure with technical assistance and um, other you know use cases within those communities so there's a lot of new programs out there they're 10 times bigger than what we worked on in the Obama administration you know 10 years ago um, and I think it's just finding the right opportunity, identifying the right priority, and then getting those partners together to, to apply for those opportunities as, as they come through. Great. So here's another question from audience. It's a long one, but I think it's a pretty good one. It's sure. uh, remote working is one aspect of digital transformation that has been left to work from home and modest telework co-working offices. Are there any initiatives that focus on developing regional secure networks of high technology hubs 
designed for distributed workers, but also examine the opportunities to integrate distance learning classrooms and remote healthcare facilities. Um, while ProTech has received a great deal of attention, little has been done with the new architectural designs to integrate immersive collaboration and unified technology across multi-location offices? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, a number of our communities have done things like incentivized programs for trying to get startups and small businesses to move back to the communities, providing them, you know, discounted space or free broadband or, you know, other, other some of our communities also will do uh, remote worker, you know, they'll give them eight or 10 or, or you know, 15K a year to try and incentivize them to sort of move back home and work remotely. Um, I haven't heard them do as much on the, the secure communication piece. I think that's a terrific aspect, especially if you're trying to do, whether it's work with the DOD or you know, other federal agencies out there or other industry partners. And so I think that's certainly something that, um, you know, more communities need to be addressing that, that a cybersecurity aspect to their to that deployment. It's, it's not something that I have a ready example of something that's done it, but it's certainly something that um, is great feedback and something that we'll take back to the team. Yeah, I mean, the one thing we've noticed post-pandemic is we used to have this enterprise network and then we had, you know, the residential network and now there's no, it's all one network, right? Because right. if people are working from home, they're basically are extended the enterprise network to their homes. And so, right. you know, that kind of security, um, you know, and even as we start moving into quantum networks where you can get highly secure communications, you know, we're, we're starting to see that um, like Chattanooga and other areas. Right. So what is the profile? Yeah, is one of our Every community is gonna have fiber by the end of, you know, by 2030. 20, 20, and so as we're you know, rolling out all this money to bring up um, what is the profile that you guys look for? You know, how does a community uh, get your attention and, you know, how do they join one of your programs? Yeah, I appreciate that question, Gary. I think, you know, a lot of times we are looking at, you know, mid-sized communities. You know, some of them are, and we have large communities like San Diego and, and DC and, you know, cities that are, have millions of people in them. We've got a lot of them that are sort of mid-sized that might be, you know, Two, three, five hundred thousand people, and then, you know, we do have some smaller communities as well, like Red Wing, Minnesota, where the, you know, those tend to be more regional approaches where we're bringing in multiple communities together to to collaborate, work together. Uh, so, like Red Wing, Minnesota, just got a, a grant from EDA for um, a, a startup accelerator to help support you know, encourage more uh, folks to move back to Red Wing or the neighboring, you know, neighboring communities. Um, and so we spent a lot of time working with them on, well, providing the technical assistance, helping them you know, identify those programs to apply to. And then, um, you know, there's, each one of these programs is sort of a, um, you know, multi-year effort, if you will, of getting the funding, deploying it, and really standing it up. So, you know, US Ignite, while we do have, uh, an annual event every year, which is important. It's great to see everyone, you know, in three dimensions. Um, and we try and, you know, it's exciting to see the folks cut their ribbon and have the press release. But for us, the focus is really on, you know, working with them day in, day out to actually execute that strategy. 
helping them find that university or industry or startup partner so that community can really be successful and sustain the um, strategy over the long term. You know, there's, like you were saying, there's, I think smart city pilots kind of got a bad name, right? Because they, you know, some CTO within the community found, you know, 100K here or 200K there, and they did a, a smart uh, trash can pilot, and then the administration changes over and it just kind of dies on the vine. And so we're trying to avoid that and say, okay, well, let's start small, but build that out over the months and years to really benefit these communities uh, and make it make that those programs sustainable. Now, so, are you funded out of the administration? So we have, I would say, probably about 80% or 75% of our funding is uh, our contracts with the Defense Department, National Science Foundation, um, EDA, and, and others. We have corporate and, and uh, foundation partners as well. And then individual communities also provide us support as we're uh, pulling these, you know, strategies together and, and implementing them uh, within the community. So, you know, we have a wide range, you know, no one agency or foundation or community rep or company represents more than, you know, 10 or 20% of our, our revenue. We try to make sure that going back to that 5G pilot or to the testbed program, you know, 30 uh, industry partners working with us, you know, lots of, no one company can really dominate that program and, and push it in one direction. We wanna make sure that everyone has a seat at the table and it's it's really going in a, a system, uh, impactful direction over, over the long term. Okay, so you're pretty, you don't get disrupted by an administration changes. You guys are pretty and in somewhat independent of that. That's right. And so we, and I would say that the, um, you know, 5G, smart city, you know, certainly five, you know, fiber broadband, those are all bipartisan issues. We've never had challenges of going onto the hill or into an agency and, and folks saying, you know, that sounds like a terrible idea. They might have feedback or suggestions on, on an individual program or um, you know, funding levels, things like that. But it, it's, we don't, it's a very easy um, sales job, if you will, of, of trying to explain that the, the impact that these technologies, these programs can have on, on their communities. Well, Nick, you know, given all the money and all the broadband networks that are going up now as fast as possible, uh, I think there's going to be lots of opportunities for you to really show these communities how they can leverage this bandwidth to really drive economic development and innovation. So appreciate what you and your team are doing at US Ignite. And um, so thank you guys for that. And yeah, I want to thank so everybody much. for joining us today and look forward to getting back together next Wednesday for Fiber Breakfast. We're going to be speaking with my good friend, Junie Kunstler, the Chief Research Analyst at Omnia Infotech on the North American Pond Equipment and Vendor Market, supporting growth, upgrades, diversity, and sustainability. Julie always has the greatest um, and latest numbers, so please join me and we'll see what she has to say about where our market's headed. Thanks everyone. Glad everybody had a great 4th of July and um, look forward to getting back to work. So see you guys soon.